Episode Three: American Translation. Wah! cried the mother upon seeing the mirrored armoire and the master suite of her daughter's new condominium. You cannot put mirrors at the front of your bed. All your marriage happiness will bounce back and turn the opposite way. Well, that's the only place it fits, so that's where it stays," said the daughter, irritated that her mother saw bad omens and everything. She had heard these things warnings all her life. Her mother frowned, reaching into her twice-used Macy's bag. "Hun, lucky I can fix it for you then," and she pulled out the gift-edged mirror she had bought at the Price Club last week. It was her housewarming present. She leaned it against the headboard on top of the two pillows. You hang it here," said the mother, pointing to the wall above. "This mirror sees that mirror. Hall, multiplying your peach blossom luck. What is peach blossom luck?" The mother smiled, mischief in her eyes. "It is in there," she said, pointing to the mirror. "Look inside. Tell me I am not right. And this mirror is my future grandchild, already sitting on my lap next spring." And the daughter looked and hauled. There it was, her own reflection looking back at her. Episode three point one, Rice Husband Lena Saint Clair. Lena Saint Clair and her husband Harold bought a house in Woodside, just forty minutes away from San Francisco. Her mother was coming to visit. Lena and Harold picked up Lena's mother and drove back home. Lena gave her mother a tour of the house, and her mother found the flaws. Lena gets mad that her mother only points out the bad stuff, and it worries her that her mother might catch on with the problems between her and Harold. Which makes Lena remember something of her mother, when she told her, when Lena was eight and she was eating rice, then finished. Her mother grabbed her bowl and told her that her husband would have one pack mark for every grain of rice left behind. She would end up marrying a bad man, which ended up being Harold. Harold and Lena both work at the same architectural firm, Livington and Associates. They are both in a relationship where they are equal and fair. But this whole concept of being equal is starting to annoy Lena. At first, she doesn't take it to consideration. But when she tells Harold she loves him, and he says it back, it is just not enough for her. When Lena is done giving her mother a tour, Harold tells her that he's going to buy stuff for dinner and leaves. Lena's mother starts looking at the list on the fridge representing what Lena ha- and Harold bought and its cost. Her mother asks her what it was, but Lena says it's nothing, and inside she feels embarrassed. Her mother asks her again what it was. Lena told her that it was something they started before they got married and never stopped. That was a lie. It was really because they wanted to be equal and get rid of false dependencies, phrases that she thought her mother would never understand. Harold returns with the groceries. Lena starts to cook and set the table. After dinner, Harold offers ice cream to Lena. Lena's mother tells Harold that Lena doesn't like ice cream. She never did. Lena brings towels to her mother's room and tells her to watch out for the vase that's on an unsturdy table. Then she walks back downstairs. She sits on the couch beside Harold and thinks about the ice cream that's listed on the fridge. She goes up and crosses it off. Off, Harold thought it was fair, what with what she did, so he didn't budge. Lena shouts at him and asks him why he's so fair. Harold is confused and he asks Lena what's really wrong. Lena tells him that she is sick of accounting for everything while st- starting to cry. 
Then she hears glass shattering in her mother's room. Lena runs to her mother's room and sees the vase the vase is broken and her mother by the window. Her mother tells her it has fallen down. Lena tells her it's fine. She knew it was going to happen. Then her mother asks her why didn't she stop it. Episode 3.2 Four Directions Waverly John Waverly takes her mother to her favorite Chinese restaurant, Four Directions, for lunch and hopes to put her in a good mood to tell her the amazing news. She was getting married with Rich. Once she got there, she met up with her mother. Not even waiting until Waverly sits down, her mother is already mad at her. The way Waverly's hair was styled, her mother didn't approve. On top of this, her mother told the waitress that the chopsticks were greasy. She cleaned out the bowl with tea and complained about the two extra dollars for the chrysanthemum tea. After the chaotic lunch, Waverly gave up telling her mother about the marriage. Waverly did bring up her fiancé to her mother, but her mother always found a way to change the subject. After the restaurant, Waverly took her mother to her apartment for one last attempt to show her mother about her fiancé. Once there, it was hard for her mother not to realize that she was with Rich. At least, that's what Waverly thought. Waverly showed her mother a jacket that Rich gave to her, but her mother said nothing. All her mother told Waverly was that she has a career. She is busy. If she wanted to live like a mess, she can. This hit Waverly violently, and she got angry. This is the same way she felt as a child, this triggered in memory. When she was 10, she knew her ability to play chess was a gift. She loved to win, but the one taking all the credit was her mother, and Waverly hated this. After the day Waverly told her mother how she felt and ran off, her mother didn't speak to her. All her mother did was pass cold words to Waverly's brothers and father, making Waverly feel invisible. Waverly knew the game her mother was playing, and she wasn't going to let her mother win. Waverly played along and ignored her mother. After multiple days went by with silence, Waverly thought of another way to get her mother, and it was to quit playing chess. But not forever, just for a while. So when Waverly was supposed to practice, she was in the living room watching TV, besides her brother. They didn't want her there, so they called out for their mother, but her mother never went to her. Waverly then skipped a tournament, thinking her mother would not would most definitely go to her, but she didn't. Waverly at last gave up and pretended to let her mother win by being the first one to talk. Waverly told her mother she was ready to play chess again. All her mother replied was she couldn't quit one day, then play the next day. That isn't easy. Waverly didn't understand what she meant. That night, Waverly got a fever, and her mother sat right next to her until she felt better. Waverly thought her mother was back to her useful self, but she wasn't. Her mother didn't involve herself in Waverly's chess life. Waverly lost her next tournament, and her mother held a satisfied look when Waverly lost. Waverly continued to practice but didn't feel the same confidence, so she quit altogether. She was 14. Waverly was afraid her mother would do the same to Rich what she did with her first marriage with Marvin. Mother told Waverly his flaws, and Waverly realized it too far in when she already had a kid, a girl named Shoshana. She did end up divorcing Marvin. 
Waverly knows that her feelings towards Rich are vulnerable to her mother's remarks about him. Waverly knew her mother was playing this game again with her. The next day, she goes to her parents' home to see her mother and confront her. She was filled with so much anger and strength to tell her mother about her and Rich. Once she gets there, all that strength goes away, making her feel weak and it comes out in broken up sentences, but her mother seemed to already know. She also told Waverly that she doesn't hate him. Waverly was perplexed at this. Then her mother told her that this whole battle she was going that was going on between them, it was because Waverly didn't let her in. Episode 3.3 Without Wood Rose Sue Jordan Rose always believed what her mother told her. Her mother's words meant something to her. Her mother asked Rose why does Ted send a check to her, but Rose didn't want to talk about Ted. Her mother didn't like that her own daughter didn't even talk to her about her life, but to a psychiatrist, a stranger. She believed that a mother knows best. Rose told everyone about Ted, just different versions, all being true. She didn't know how much she loved Ted until she knew how much he could hurt her. She told Waverly she was better off without him. She didn't miss him at all, she told Lena. She was even obsessed with revenge, she told her psychiatrist. Rose looked over the divorce papers and saw the check for $10,000. She didn't feel grateful. She felt hurt. She sat there looking at the signature spots of the divorce papers, trying to figure out the right choice to make, but she didn't even know what the right choice was. She remembered something her mother told her. Her mother once asked her why she is confused all the time. She can't seem to make her own decisions. That's when Rose seemed to be without wood. If you were born without wood, you always listen to many people. Rose still listens to her mother, but she has learned to let those words go right through her. Over the years, she took the best opinion from people to consideration, and those opinions usually came from an American. But this American version always leads to another decision, life like her decision with Ted and the checks. She was tired of feeling this agony, so she decided to sign the divorce papers. But then she realized how much she loved this house. She didn't know what decision to make. She decided to call a lawyer. While dialing, while dialing she wondered what she wanted from the divorce. If she didn't even know what she wanted in her marriage. The next morning, she had laid in bed trying to make the most simplest decision. She stood in bed for three days straight, only getting up to eat and use the bathroom. She slept all day. By the fourth day, she was woken by the phone ring. It was her mother. Rose told her mother that she wasn't going to save her marriage, but her mother said that she isn't telling Rose to save her marriage, but to speak up. After Rose hung up the phone, it rang again. It was her psychiatrist, saying how she missed her appointment that morning, along with two other appointments. After hanging up on them, the phone rang again. It was Ted asking her where has she been, that he has been trying to get a hold of her for the past three days. In an irritated voice, he continues and says that it has been two weeks, no papers were signed or the check has been cashed. He wanted all of this done as soon as possible because he was getting married again to someone else. Rose felt empty inside when she heard this. Rose told him it would be best if he comes over and speaks with her. He did, 
end up showing. He asked Rose for the divorce papers and she gave it to him. He told her that she doesn't have to move out so quickly. He will give her a month to find a place. Rose told him that she has already found one and it was their home. Ted grew angry when she told this to him. Rose told him that she will stay there with the help from her lawyer. Ted takes out the papers and realizes that it wasn't signed. With that, she told him that he can't just take her out of her life and throw her away like she meant nothing. Episode 3.4 Best Quality Jing Mabel Last Chinese New Year, Jing Mei's mother gave her a jade pendant on a gold chain, representing Jing Mei's life importance. Jing Mei doesn't know her life's importance. Her mother was the only one who knew. And Jane, Jing Mei would ask her, but she's dead. Jing Mei wears the pendant every day, trying to figure out her life's importance. During last Chinese New Year, Jing Mei helps her mother shop for the liveliest crabs, not a dead one or one with missing limbs, which is a bad sign on Chinese New Year. But it still ended up in the bag. They went home to cook them. Her mother invited the Johns to their Chinese New Year party and Mr. Tom, Jing Mei's old piano teacher. Once at the table, the crabs were passed around. Jing Mei was going to pick up the crab with the missing limb, but her mother didn't allow her. From across the table, Waverly told Jing Mei that she liked her haircut. Jing Mei told her Hobber did it with a concerned face. Waverly asked if it was safe because Howard was gay and he could have AIDS. Jing Mei then sat there insulted after Waverly told her to go to Mr. Roy, but how she didn't think Jing Mei would be able to afford it. Jing Mei then told Waverly that she'd be able to afford Mr. Roy if her firm would pay her work on time. Waverly then told her that the firm didn't accept it. Waverly said that it wasn't sophisticated enough. Jing Mei's mother agreed with Waverly, making Jing Mei feel worse. Later, everyone felt left, and Jing Mei was in the kitchen, thinking that she was no better than who she was. She felt tired and foolish about the whole situation. Jing Mei's mother accompanies her in the kitchen. Her mother tells her that because Jing Mei tried to pick up the crab without a limb, she's not looking for her best quality. Everyone else is looking for best quality that Jing Mei thought different. Jing Mei's mother took off her pendant and gave it to Jing Mei. Her mother told her that since it has been in her skin and will now come in contact with Jing Mei's skin, Jing Mei will finally understand her mother's meaning, being her life's importance.